We're holding my Perik Nun Gimel. The last Perik in Tanya. And uh, we're middle of a three Perik, um, a, a unit of three Prakim. We started a Perik Nun Aleph. Nun Aleph Nun Beis Nun Gimel was one idea. We started Perik Nun Aleph. The Altarebbe asked, we have to understand what is the idea of Hashuras Hashchina. We say that in the Beis Hamikdash, in the Kedush Hakadoshim, there was Asheras Hashchina. What does that mean? What does it mean that there's Asheras Hashchina? We know that the Eibushter is everywhere, and less Asar Pani Minei. There's no place that's the empty of Hashem. So what does it mean that the Shechina is present in one place more than the other? Okay, and as we said, the question is not only about the Kedush Hakadoshim. That's the prime, although that's the primary place of Asheras Hashchina in this world. But we know many times the Chazal talk about Shechina Shreya. The Shekhinah is present. What does that mean the Shekhinah is present? Hashem is everywhere. So we're well, we are well on the way to answering our question because we already understand that although Hashem is everywhere, the Shekhinah refers specifically to Malchus Da'atzilu. So Shekhinah refers to the energy which emanates from Hashem in order to give life and chayis and vitality to all the worlds. So when we talk about the Shekhinah, we're talking about a very specific energy. We're not talking about Hashem. Hashem is everywhere. But as we learned that in every single world, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim of that world, which is the Chabad, the intellect of that world, the Chachma Bin Adas of that world, the Torah of that world, so there you have the Shekhinah. So as we learned in previous weeks, in every single world, you have a Kodesh HaKadoshim. And in every single world, the Shekhinah of the world above it enters the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and through that, that entire world receives its energy. So you have the primary Shechina is in Atzilus, is Malchus of Atzilus. So Malchus of Atzilus enters the world of Bria into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of Bria. What is the Kodesh HaKadoshim of Bria? Is the Torah of Bria, because as we learned, the Torah is the Levush. The Torah is the garment through which the Shechina can express itself, because the Shechina itself is too high for a world, so it has to enter the Torah. And then it goes through the world of Bria. And then Malchus of the world of Bria enters the Kedesh HaKadashim of Yitzirah. And then Malchus of Yitzirah enters the Kedesh HaKadashim of the world of Asiya. Asiya, the world of Asiya is the spiritual world which is the source of our world. And then you would think that the Malchus of the world of Asiya enters the Kedesh HaKadashim of our physical world of Elam HaGashmi, also known as Elam HaAsiya HaGashmi. Dr. Rebbe is going to explain that that's not the case. Even though you would think that the Shekhinah that enters this world is the lowest level of Shekhinah because it filters through all the worlds. Dr. Rebbe is going to say, in fact, the Shekhinah that was Shreira in the Bayis Rishan, when the Arda and the Luchas was there, was higher than the Shekhinah that was Shreira in the higher worlds. How is that possible? How is that possible? Because it's like you have... Uh Simpson, you have to go gradually in order to come down to Eilam that, 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 that the energy should be converted to Gashmi. This is like the last stop. Right. Be, yeah, it has to be compressed. It seems, it seems illogical. It would seem that the lower it gets, the Shekhinah gets lower and lower until it it's enters this physical world. Says the Rebbe, no, that the Shekhinah that was in the base on Mikdash was higher than the Shekhinah that was present in the higher worlds, which, by the way, goes hand in hand with one of the major premises of Tanya, which is the idea of Dira B'Tachtoinim, that although there are many worlds, but ultimately the Tachlis and the Kavana is Dafke in this world, and therefore the Ebishter wants there should be Gili Elokus in this world more so than any other world. And let's learn inside what the, so what how, how this works. What is the purpose of the other worlds if the Tachlis was over here and you don't need the other worlds to contain the infinite energy? That's a great question. So what, what That's a question you should have asked. <laughs> you should ask that 20 prakim ago when we still first learned it, 15 prakim ago. I don't remember. <laughs> so I thought my question is like a spurt of the moment. And so. very in short, the answer to that question is that even that every single world represents a Madrigan Kedusha. This world naturally has no Kedusha in it. And every single time if you remember in the earlier prakim, we said that when we do a mitzvah with this type of ava, then it's the world of Bria. If you do a mitzvah with this type of ava that has the wings and it flies up the world of Yitzirah. Hashem created all the, all the levels of Kedusha of the higher worlds, all so that we should be able to bring them down here through our Aveda into this world. 
but that's only in short. We're not going there right now because yeah, it's not the topic for discussion. Perik and Gimel inside. Vehine. Shehoya Bayesh Vishen Kayim. The first base of Mikdash was in existence. Shabai Hayah Aaron Vahaluchis. In the first base of Mikdash, there was the Aaron and the Luchis, the base, Kodesh Kadashim. The chamber of the Kodesh Kadashim. We know that in the second base of Mikdash, the Aaron wasn't there. There were five things that were missing in the second base of Mikdash. And one of them was the Aaron, because Yeshio uh, HaMelech, he hid the Aaron. Shlema HaMelech foresaw that the Beis HaMikdash would be destroyed. He did not want that the Aaron should be taken captive or destroyed. So he built, he, he, in the Harabais, under the Beis HaMikdash, he created subterranean um, tunnels, labyrinths, uh, la- labyrinths. I don't know how you pronounce that. In, uh, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Labyrinth, but how do you say that in plural? Labyrinths. Labyrinths, okay. And uh, a very complicated uh, maze-like uh, tunnels. And uh, Yeshio HaMelech, so a few decades before the Churban Abayis, he foresaw that it's a, the time has arrived. So he told the Kehanim to bring the Arden um, underneath the Har Abayis, into the tunnels, and that's where it is. Ad till Mashiach comes well, once again. But in the second base of Mikdash, there wasn't. There was only the Evan Shesiyah. When the first base of Mikdash, when the Arden and the Luchas were in the Kedush Kedashim, so the Shechina, Shehi Malchus Da'atzilus, which is Malchus Da'atzilus, which, as we explained, Malchus of Atzilus is the revelation of the Eir Sof, the revelation of the Eir Sof into creation. You have the Eir Sof itself, but Malchus is the Gilui of the Eir Sof. You have Hashem Himself, but the Gilui, the revelation of the Eir Sof, the energy which is revealed into the worlds, it's all condensed in Malchus in the Shechina. So, it was present there. Umulubeshes, baaseres hadibres, and it was present. It was enclosed in the aseres hadibres, biyeser seis viyeser oz, with much more power and much more strength. Begili rav otsum, a much greater revelation and a much more powerful revelation. Yeser migiluya even more so than its revelation behicholis kodesh kadashim shalomayla, than its revelation in the chambers, the spiritual chambers of kodesh kadashim. Um, in the higher worlds. I, Ruven asks, how is that possible? They didn't have Torah, they have Torah up there also. They had a service in too. So the Alter Rebbe explains, Ki No. The Aseres Adibris are not in the higher worlds. In the higher world, you have in the world of Bri, you have the Talmud. In the world of the world of Yitzhira, you have the Mishnah. And the world of and the world of Asi, you have the Mikra. But Aseres Adibris was in the Kurdish HaKadoshim. What is unique about the Aseris Hadibris? The Aseris Hadibris and Klolos HaTayra Kula. The whole Torah is encapsulated within the Aseris Hadibris. Ashkach HaPratis, we're in the preparation stage for Matan Torah. When we read it, and uh, Shavuos, which is the Yom when we didn't receive the Luchas on, uh, on, on Shavuos, but the Aseris Hadibris were given on Shavuos, and the Luchas shortly thereafter. We know that there are 620 letters in the Aseris Hadibris. And that's because one letter for every one of the 613 mitzvahs and the seven for the seven mitzvahs which are the Rabbanan. And we also know that the Rasag, and the Sefer, the Azharis, so the Rasag says that every single mitzvah, all the 613 mitzvahs are merumas in the Asar Sadebris, and the Rasag actually points and says, he goes through all the 613 mitzvahs and shows the source of every single mitzvah in the Asar Sadebris. So the Asar Sadebris contains the energy it contains within it, encapsulated, the entire Torah. I think we talked about this in the past. There's the idea of klalo prat. Right, I said that. Yeah. So klalo prat, the idea of klalo prat means everything in Torah comes originally as a klal. It comes as a, in a condensed form. In a, I want to say, in an embryonic form. It all comes uh, like... The, the, the seed which contains within it uh, all uh, the tree and all the fruit that, that uh, emerged from it. And then everything, thank you very much, and then everything emerges in Prat. Just like we said, you have all the energy from Hashem, the Shechina, it comes as a klal, and then every single creation receives its uh, energy, the Prat. The same thing is in Torah. So we can imagine that the entire energy of the entire Torah is condensed in the Aseris Hadibris. So Aseris Hadibris isn't just another part of the Torah. 
It's a, it's a very, very lofty part of the Torah because it contains within it, condensed, the energy of the whole Torah. In fact, every word of Torah, that, uh, besides for the Sarah Sadibris, and every, every mitzvah, and every halacha, and every mishnah, and every, every suya and gemara, and every, every uh, word in Tanya, because everything is there. So it's all included in there. So every single part of Torah is a prat, it's a detail. It's a detail of the energy of the Torah. In Aserah Sadibris, it's all there in condensed form. In fact, it's brought down. You know, it says, when Mashiach comes, the Navi says, that Torah will be a new Torah that will come when Mashiach comes. But it's brought down in Chassidus, the Chassidus Shalom, to say that it will be a new Torah. Because there's no new Torah. We own, there's only one Torah. And there's only one man Torah. And as the saying goes, at Svetim that man Torah design. There is no second man Torah. So what does it mean a Torah Chadasha? That means the Mashiach will reveal completely new dimensions in Torah that were, Was that were hidden, concealed beforehand. And it's going to be so much and so amazing that it's going to look like a Torah Chadasha. It's a new Torah. But where is it coming from? It's coming from Torah. So where is it condensed in? In Daseris Adibris. Ultimately, everything is condensed in Daseris Adibris. So the whole Torah is Naseris Adibris. Where does the Torah come from? Dinafka, the Torah emerges. Megoi Chachma Ilah. Torah comes from the Chachma Ilah. Comes from the Chachma Vatsilus. The Le'ela Le'ela Ma'alma Desgalia, which is so much higher than the Shekhinah, which is called Alma Deskali, the revealed world. Remember, in, in Perik Nunalaf, we talked, or Perik Nunbeis, we said how the Shekhinah is called Alma Deskalia. It's called the revealed world because it is, <coughs> excuse me, it is the energy from Hashem which is revealed in this world. The Torah is above and beyond that. So the Aseris Adibres is the entire Torah condensed as it is in Chochmah Datsilus. I... Yes, the Torah originates in Chachmah Silus, but the Torah ultimately made its way down here into this world. Says the In order, when it came time for the Aseris Adibis to be engraved in the physical stones, as it is inscribed in the Luchais, in the Aron, it did not come down. One level after another, the way that the worlds come down. Remember, we learned until this physical world. We learned the Torah comes down level after level. So you have the Torah as it is, remember, in Atzilus, that's Kabbalah, and then the Torah comes down a level to the world of Yitzhira, and then you have the Talmud. The Torah comes down another level to the world of Yitzhira, and then you have the Mishnah. Comes down. But the Aseris Adibris, as they are inscribed in the, in the Luchais, they did not come down. They went straight. Express. Thank you very much. How do we know that the Aseris Hadibris, as they are engraved in the Luchais, it didn't come down level after level until it arrived at the level of Elam Hazah? Because this world, the, it behaves in a way of Teva. You know that this world runs according to the rules of nature. The Luchais defied nature. They were stones that were formed by Hashem. They weren't a product of this world. The writing on the Luchas. The writing was written by Hashem. Beyond, beyond the Teva of this world. As we know, that the Luchas were miraculous. Mara says in the in Sektas Megillah, that the, 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 the Mem Vesamach of the Luchas were Benes Hayoimdim. Mem and Samach of the Luchas uh, stood with a Nes. Why? Because we know it says the Luchas were Mizeu, Mizehim Ksuvim, that they were Charus ala Luchas, that the Luchas was engraved. And the words went through and through. But you can see it, so yeah, see it the other side. One second. Yeah. So if words go through and through, the first problem that you have is that if a Mem and a Samach, the middle, if it's engraved, the middle would fall down. The middle wouldn't stand. What's try taking, try taking. They're suspended mid ear. The middle of the mem, the middle of the samach, the middle of the. I'm talking about the the, the mem soifi, the mem the shlosh mem. So you think about it, if you engrave, if you if you engrave into into a piece of paper, you engrave a mem, 
Yeah. Right? Like this. So it would be, if it was a samach, it would be a circle. You just have a circle in the paper. And if it was a mem, you'd be a square. In order to make it a mem or a samach, you have to have the middle. How's the middle standing? So that's benes. That's benes, I see. That's number one. Mm. And if you engrave, but not through and through, so then you engrave and the middle stands. But if you engrave through and through, the middle disappears. The middle would disappear. But it, would, it stood there by, in a way of nest. But moreover, as, you, as, as someone mentioned, when you look the other side, when you look the other side, then the, the writing would be inverted, it would be backwards, right? But the nest was. It was the same. That it was the same. It was not the only right. that, but the Yerushalmi says. <coughs> The Yerushalmi says that um, actually it was engraved from all six sides. Not only front and back, but the Luchish were engraved on all six sides. Yeah. On all six sides. And through and through. <laughs> in all directions. And in every way you looked at it, you were reading it straight. Which we realize this is completely beyond nature. And when we're talking about beyond nature, we mean beyond nature in a way that we can't even conceive. For example, Kriyas Yamsuf is beyond nature, but we can conceive Kriyas Yamsuf. We can imagine. If I ask you to imagine in your head, what does Kriyas Yamsuf look like? Well, you can't do Kriyas Yamsuf, and you don't know how it can be done. But you can imagine what it looks like, water to split, and uh, there's dry ground in the middle. You know, Makas Svardeya is a miracle. But you can conceive it. In other words, in the picture books, they make, uh, they make drawings of Makas Svardeya. They make drawings of Kriyas Yamsuf. But try making a drawing of the Luchis. The mem and samach benes that you can imagine, you can conceive the middle standing, but the idea of being able to read through and through from every single side and and, and at the same time you're reading it straight, it's it's a miracle of inconceivable proportions. Six hundred people was seeing it. It means it was in the middle. Whoever stand here, whoever stand there, everybody had to see it. You're talking about we're six hundred thousand. When did six hundred thousand people see it? By Muhammad No. There were no luchas. Hashem just said the Sarasadiris. Moshe went up and they came down with the luchas 40 days later and he broke them. Then he came down again with them. The second luchas was made the same way? The second luchas, the Abishter inscribed them. Moshe, Moshe engraved the rock, but he took them up, but it was empty blank rock, and Hashem, Hashem inscribed them in the same way. So. There's also another significance to the fact that the luchis were engraved. This is something which is discussed in many places in Chassidus. <coughs> that um, when, when there's a Sefer Torah, we know that actually in, in, in the Aran there was also a Sefer Torah. It's Machlekes in the Gemara, whether it was in the Aran itself or whether it was on a shelf which was right outside the Aran. But in the Kedush HaKadoshim, in the Aran or right next to Aran, there's also a Sefer Torah. A Sefer Torah we know is written, parchment and ink. What's the difference when you have parchment and ink? as opposed to when you have something which is engraved. Ink can disappear. So ink can disappear. Engraved, stay forever. Why can ink disappear? It oxidizes. I from the air. Because when you write something on a piece of paper or on a parchment with ink, so you have two different entities and they're coming together. They're coming together, they're uniting. But at the end of the day, you have two different entities that are coming together. And therefore, the possibility remains also for the, words to dis- for the words to disappear. Why? Because it's not one substance. The ink and the parchment remain two substances. Two substances. Even, when the ink, even before it disappears, even while it's on the, same, on the parchment, at the end of the day, it's the ink and the parchment are two different substances. However, they're... Stick to them. Yeah. They, they're, they're bonded. They're bonded in a very, very, in a very powerful way. It's very, maybe, very, maybe very difficult to... Uh, even if theoretically you had an ink that, that you couldn't erase because it bonded so well that it couldn't erase, it doesn't change the fact that the ink and the parchment are two separate, are two separate substances. On the other hand, when you engrave, there aren't two substances. There's only one substance. The words become part of the rock. Mm-hmm. Not to become one with the rock. They're part of the rock. And what is the significance of this? The Torah begins as Hashem's Chachma. The Torah begins in the world of Atzilus and Chachma Atzilus, or actually even higher than that, it begins as Hashem's Chachma. And then as the Torah enters the world, remember we learned, the Torah takes on various forms, and every one of these forms is like a mushal. 
we spoke about how Torah is called the Mashal Hakadmoini. Because every single one of the forms that Torah takes on is a garment which is enclothing the pure wisdom, the pure Chachma of Hashem, which is within it. So in our world, the garments are physical garments. The Torah, that's why the Torah talks about physical, about physical things. In the higher worlds, it has spiritual garments. But ultimately, the Torah enters uh, different garments. And earlier on in Tanya, in Perikei, Shadal Rebbe says that when you're learning Torah, it's like you're hugging the king. Hashem is the king, and you're hugging the king. Hashem is the, and the Rebbe says, when you're hugging a king, does it matter how many layers of clothing the king is wearing? You know, if he, he's wearing, is he wearing a jacket and a vest and a coat? Or is he wearing just a jacket? Or is he wearing a shirt? Is he wearing tzitzas on it? It doesn't make a difference. When you're hugging the king, the point is that you're hugging the king, it doesn't make a difference how many garments the king is wearing. So the same thing is when we learn Torah, even though the Torah is in garments, but still, when we're learning Torah, enclosed in those garments is Hashem, is the king, is the Chachma of Hashem, and therefore ultimately we're hugging the king. That's the Torah as it enters the world. As the Torah enters the world, it assumes garments. It unites with those garments. The Hashem's wisdom unites with those garments. So when we're learning Torah through the garments, so we're uniting, we're talking connecting to Hashem. But then there's the Torah in its purest form without any garments. That's, and that's represented by the luchas which were engraved. Not two things that are coming together, like parchment and ink. Like a lavush, right? right. It's not like you have Hashem's chachma and the garment like that come together. Yeah. But rather, the luchas represent the pristine chachma of Hashem, as it is in the Aseris Adibris, that incredibly condensed, purest form of, of Torah, was in the Luchas, and as it came into this world, it didn't enter the world on its terms. It's the Chachma of Hashem, which is beyond worlds. It's from the Alma, much, much higher than the Shechina. Much, much, forget it, not only it's higher than the world, it's higher even than the Shechina. It's higher even than the energy of Hashem, which enters the world. This is the Chachma of Hashem, and in the Luchas it comes direct, in Eilam Gashmi. And that's not the way in the higher worlds. In the higher worlds, the air comes down, the Shekhinah comes down, and every, and, and every single level of the Shekhinah enters the Torah as the Torah comes down. Torah comes down, Shekhinah comes in it. Torah comes down another world, Shekhinah comes down in it. But in this world, because in the, in the Luchas you had, because in the, in the Kedosh HaKadosh we had the Luchas, the Luchas which is the Torah in its purest form, so here we have the highest level of Shekhinah entering the world through the Kedosh HaKadoshim. Again, this was in the time when the, in times of the Bayes Rishen. Bayes Rishen. We'll, so we'll, how do we we'll, access something like this? We'll see, it, we, we'll see that, we'll see the answer to that question as we go along. Yeah, alright. But let's move on. So let's start again from the luchis are the work of Hashem. The writing on the luchis, the first one line is Vamichtav. The writing on the luchis was engraved by Hashem. And both the actual luchis and the writing on the luchis completely transcended this world. Our world, where does our world come from? It comes from the ray of the Shekhinah. Our world, the nature of our world comes from the, the godliness, the Lukus, the energy, which originates in the Kedosh HaKadoshim of the world of Asiyah. Because from there, from the spiritual world of Asiyah, the whole world of Asiyah receives its energy. And also our physical world receives this energy from there. So the idea of Teva doesn't only start in our world, in our physical world. In the spiritual world of Asiya, there also you have nature, spiritual nature. But the Luchais are above and beyond physical nature and spiritual nature. Ella, rather, is Chachma Chachma which is the whole Torah encapsulated in the Asaris Hadibris. Nislapsha b'malchus da atzilus u'debiria levadan. Chachma of atzilus enters malchus of atzilus and bria alone. Vehein levadan and they alone. Malchus of atzilus and malchus of bria. Ham yuchadis ba'erin seiv shebetoichan, which are united with the erin saf which is in it. Hein hanekrois b'shem shchina. They are the shchina 
Hashira the Kodesh Kadashim the Bayis Rishon. They are the Shkina, which is in the Kodesh Kadashim of the first Beis Hamikdash. Aidea Slab Shusa beYud Hadibreis Hachakukeis beLuches sheBaAren beNes through the Yud Dasaris Hadibreis, which were engraved in the Luches and the Aren by way of miracle. Umaisa Elikim Chaim. And through the act of the living God, which Talmud points out, who Alma discusses, according to Kabbalah, Alikim Chaim is a reference to Alma discussia Hamekanen Ba'ilam Habria, which in the world of Bria Kenoid Aliyedichin, as is known to those who know Kabbalah. Okay, so we need here a little explanation. In Chassidus, is explained that there are, there are two ways that something can be present somewhere. One is called hislapshus, and one is called maiver. Hislapshus means when something is literally enclosed in something, it fits there, it belongs there, it comes down to something on its terms. And then there is something called derech maiver, by way of, uh, it just passes through, but it doesn't really belong there. An example that's brought out in Chassidus for this is when a person writes. So when a person, um, imagine a big chacham, who comes up with a brilliant idea, and he sits down and writes the idea on a piece of paper. So the wisdom right now is going from the mind onto the paper by way of the hand. So does the hand understand the wisdom? No. It's just a conduit. It's a conduit. It's a vehicle. So the, in the brain, the seichel is bihislapshus. In the brain, the seichel is there, and the brain gets it. it. It's on the terms of the brain. The brain actually grasps what's going on. And in the hand, the seichel is just going through it, but it's not on its terms. So the Rabbi is saying over here, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, you had the Aseris HaDibris, which is really Chachma Datsilos. That's the, the original origin of Tehran. That's what you have in the Luchas. How far, that's, that's, the, that's the level of Oyer that was in the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the first Pesamikdash. However, that Oyer came down not in the way of Hislapshus, but in the way of Maiver, and it stopped. Wait. It stopped by Malchus Debriah. So the, the Chachma Datsilus, which is where the Torah, began, the Torah originates from, it goes down in a way of Maivir till Malchus Debria, and from there straight into the Kedush Hakadoshim. So the Oyer, the level of Oyer is Chachma Datsilus, because it, it's not processed by the lower worlds. Not it's not contained. It comes down like and through a vehicle and by Malchus Debria, and as it is in Malchus Debria, that's how it enters the Luchais, which are in the Kedush Hakadoshim. So bottom line is, what do we have over here? is that the Shechina, which was in the Bayes Rishayim, was a tremendous, tremendous level. It was the Oyer, was the Oyer of Chachma of Atzilus, was the Oyer of Torah, which is infinitely higher even than the Shechina. And the Shechina comes into it, the Shechina of Malchus Datsilus comes into it, and it comes down, only down, in other words, it comes down somewhat, not in a way of being processed, but it comes down until Malchus of Bria, and from there it enters directly into the Kedush HaKadashim. So by now we already have the answer to our question, which we asked in the beginning of Perik Nunda, what does it mean that there's the idea of Ashra HaShchina? What does it mean that the Shechina is in one place more than the other? And by now we know that the Kedush HaKadashim was the nerve center of the world, so that's where the Shechina was present. But not only the Shechina, as it comes down through the worlds, and finally the filtered level of the Shechina as it enters this world, but we're talking about a very, very high level of Shechina that was present in the Kedush HaKadashim. And then from the Kedush HaKadashim, the energy of the world, you know, every, every single creation receives this energy from the Shechina, which was in the Kedush HaKadashim of the Beis HaMikdash. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. So we get the energy from that. We will find that out. How the second base HaMikdash? Before we get to today, let's talk about the second base HaMikdash. Three lines from the top of page 148. There were no Arden, there was no Luchis. 
So the Chazal said about the Bayashani, the Gemara says in the Yuma, Shaloi Hoysa Shechina Shayra Bay. The Shechina wasn't there. That's what it says. It says the Shechina wasn't in the Bayashani. The Shechina was one of the five things that were missing. The obvious question is the Shechina wasn't there. Where do you get the Chiyas? Sorry? Where do you get the Yunika from? Besides the fact that where do you get the highest in Yunika? It remained the holiest place in the world. The, 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 only the Kohen Gadol was allowed to enter there one time a year, on Yom Kippur. Was, what do you mean that it, what do you mean the Shechina was, the Shechina wasn't there? What made it holy? The Shechina is there when people learn Torah. How, how could that be that, that it's not there in the days of the, When people learn Torah, we're going to get to that later. We're going to get to it later. But right now we're talking about Bayashani. We know that according that, that, that the... So how come the why was the bar going in? What was so special? Only for young if the Shechina wasn't there, then what, what made the Beis Hamikdash special? What made the Kedush Hakadosh special? Why was it that the only Kohen Gadol was allowed to go in there once a year? What's, what's this all about? Salter Rebbe explains Pirush. What does that mean? Madrega Shechina The level of Shechina that was in the first Beis Hamikdash was in the Beis Hamikdash. In the first base of Mikdash, you had Remember, we said in the first base of Mikdash, it didn't come down all the way. It was an express. It was an express of Chachmadatzilus, and it only it went by way of Maivir until Malchus Debria, and then straight into it skipped the, the world of Yitzira and the world of Asiya. It skipped entirely. It was the Chachma of Atzilus as coming through the vehicle of Malchus of Bria, which is a ridiculously high Madriga. But in the second base of Mikdash, he says, There was a Shechina there. And the normal way of the chaining down, and the, yes, and the coming down, Malchus Datsilos, as it enters, but Malchus de Bria. Ud de Bria, Malchus of Bria enters, Malchus de Yitzira. Ud de Yitzira, Beichel Kedish Kedashim Dasiya. Malchus of Yitzira enters the Kedish Kedashim of the spiritual world of Asiya. The Kodesh Kadashim of Asiya, that was entered the Beis Hamikdash down here. And there was the Shechina there. The level of Malchus the Asiya, the Shechina as it is in the world of Yitzira, as it enters the Kodesh Kadashim of the world of Asiya. But I want you to note. But it's not in the Luchas no more. There were no Luchas there. So where did it, where did it reside the shechina in, in, in the room in the room in the room yeah without no Aaron, without no luchus right so there still was a skip over here because you usually to enter this world you'd have malchus of yitzira entering the kodesh akadashim of the world of asiya haruchnis. and then malchus of the spiritual world of asiya should enter the kodesh akadashim of our world. But that didn't happen over here. Even in the second Beis Mikdash, there was a bypass. The Shechina, as it was in the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the spiritual world of Asiya, directly entered the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the second Beis Mikdash. Not that the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the spiritual world of Asiya went down into Malchus of the spiritual world of Asiya. And then from Malchus of the spiritual world of Asiya into into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of our world, because there's the spiritual Asiya and the physical Asiya. But the energy that was in the spiritual Kodesh HaKadoshim of Asiya directly bypassed the entire spiritual world of Asiya and entered our world in the, in the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the second Beis HaMikdash. There's the spiritual world of Asiya? Yes, which is our spiritual source. V'lachen, and therefore, let's move on a little more. V'lachen lo'yhoya rashoi shum adam that's why no person was allowed to enter the Kedesh HaKadoshim Levad, Kohen God will be a Mekipurim Messiah for the Kohen God will be a Mekipur How about once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed that we'll talk about next week but right now we have right now we have the first Beis HaMikdash and the second Beis HaMikdash so we can understand imagine if you have all the energy that exists in this world all the energy for this world was, in the, was condensed in the, even in the second Beis HaMikdash was in the second base, was in the Kedush HaKadoshim. We can understand the tremendous Kedusha that was there, which is why only the Kohen Gadol was allowed to go in. In the first base of Mikdash, there you had not only the energy of this world, there you had the energy of Chachma Datsilos as it was in the world of Bria, as it came down through the world of Bria. So the first base of Mikdash, the Kedusha was beyond belief. The second base of Mikdash also, again, it was the nerve center of the entire world. 
It's like, you know, you imagine, you know, example we gave, we gave once, right? You have a nuclear power plant, and from the nuclear power plant, you have wires coming out to every single, you know, so you put in your microwave here and your toaster oven over here, and you plug in your electric car over here, and uh, your, 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 you know, your, your phone charger over here. So that's little, the same thing is, in the Kodesh in the, HaKadoshim, in the, in the that was the nuclear plant of the world. Except nuclear plant, imagine uh, times how many. And from there, every single little entity received its energy. But the Shekhinah was, was there. The whole Shekhinah, the whole nerve center of the entire world was there. I mean, it resided in the Luchas by the In Bayashishan, but even in Bayashani. In other words, there was Shekhinah in Bayashishan and Bayashani. Just in Bayashishan, it was a much higher level of Shekhinah than it was. In Bayashani. But ultimately, even in Bayashani, you had over there the Shekhinah as it was in Chabad of the world, the spiritual world of Asiya, which is, which is mind blowing. The month of Kedusha that was there. Again, everything is relative. Relative to Bayash Risha, and the Gemara says, the Bayashani, there was no Shekhinah. Because relative to the Madrega of Kedusha that there wasn't the Bayash Risha, it was much lower. But relative to the highest that's everywhere else in the world, the, high, the, the energy, the Kedusha that's there, the Shekhinah that's there in the Kedusha Kedashim, is a much higher level. No, this is it's brought down Kisverizal. This is I mean obviously the author explains it, but the these inyanim are taken from the Kisverizal. Mashkracha Pratis so this week is the week of Parsha's Bichukaisai. And the word Bichukaisai is related to the words of Hakika. Hakika, which is the engraving on a luchas. Engraving in a luchas. Mm-hmm. That's and this idea of Hakika, the Maila, the Maila of Hakika, which we have in the luchas, which is that something, it's not two entities, but it's one entity. We find this area in many different, in many different places in Torah. Um... Including, in, uh, especially our parsha, it's the name of our parsha. I want to talk about it for for a few moments. We're talking about the luchis, the ma'ay of the luchis is that they're chakukais, and it's, this is mamish the nakud of this week's parsha. So first of all, we know that there are that there are th- three different types of mitzvahs. In general, there's edos, and there's chukim, and there's mishpatim. Mishpatim are the mitzvahs that are rational, as Chazal say. If the Torah would not have been given, so we would still, we would know Tzniyas from a cat, we'd know Gezel from, we'd know not to steal from a Namala, from an ant. And there are many mitzvahs of the Torah which are, which are logical, common sense. Those are Mishpatim. Mitzvahs that had the Torah not given them, we would still, Seichel would still, uh, would, would still dictate that we should do them. And then there are mitzvahs which are Edes. Edes are mitzvahs that we would not be doing, if not for the fact that the Torah tells us to do them, we would not be doing it. We would not, if the Torah wouldn't say that we should eat matzah on Tesvav, uh, chances are no one would think of that idea. If the Torah wouldn't tell us to put up a mezuzah, no one would think of that idea either. But at the same time, once the Torah tells us these mitzvahs, these are mitzvahs which are edays, they're testimonials, they're testified to either the, the fact that there's an Ebishtar in the world, there's different miracles that happen, they're logical. Again, they're not something we would think of on our own, but in hindsight, once we're commanded about them, they're logical. And then there are the mitzvahs that are chukim, and chukim that are mitzvahs that are that defy logic, they transcend logic, whether it's a mitzvah like, obviously the ultimate chuk is paraduma, but then you have other mitzvahs, you have shatnas, and you have kashras, according to the Ramban, all the arayas are chukim, and you have many different mitzvahs that are, that are chukim. Tumatara, whole Tumatara is a choik. Choik, Hakika. What's the connection between choik and Hakika? We're talking here about Hakika, the idea of engraving. What's the connection between Dafka, this category of mitzvah, the category of mitzvahs of chukim, with the idea of Hakika? The answer is that we know, we, learned, we actually we had it in the Pedic, in this Pedic, the Iraisa. Mechachman nafkas. Yeah, we learned it today. Hatayra kula din nafka megoy chachmeila. What is nafka? What does it mean the nafka? Learned. 
Nafka means to, it, it, it emerges from. So means that the emerges from Chachma. When you say something emerges from there, it means that really Chachma is really higher than that. It only emerges from Chachma. But Taita really, where does Taita really rooted in? Is in Hashem's Ratzin. Taita is really rooted in Hashem's Ratzin, which is higher than Chachma. Every mitzvah really starts off as Hashem's Ratzin without any reason. Certain mitzvahs, for reasons known only to Hashem, Hashem decided that these mitzvahs also should be logical. But even those mitzvahs that are logical, even those mitzvahs that are logical, that's not why Hashem commanded the mitzvah. Hashem didn't command the mitzvah because of the reason. They started off because as Hashem's ratzim. And then afterwards, reasons developed for them. They entered Chachmah, and reasons developed for them, but they're not the real reason for the mitzvah. The real reason we do a mitzvah is because Hashem wanted. Why did Hashem want? Because that's what He wanted. That's what he wants. By way of example, like all the sciences, they, they you know they're busy explaining um, natural natural phenomena in this world. So, for example, science will tell you, why do you have two eyes? Why not one eye? Because if you only had one eye, you don't have depth. Then you wouldn't have depth perception, depth right? Perception. Three eyes. So, is that is that the reason why you have two eyes? Now, if we had one eye or three eyes, science would explain why we had one eye or three eyes. In other words, they examine the facts. The facts remain facts whether or not they make sense. And once, in hindsight, they look at them and say, what kind of logic is there to them? But the logic follows the fact. The logic is not the reason for the fact. The same thing is in all areas of science. Science looks at all these different types of phenomena and they give reasons for them. But do you really think, and the scientists, for example, they'll explain the entire human body, logically, but do you think that if the scientist sat down with a blank piece of paper and you tell him, he never saw a human being, okay, draw for me what the perfect human being is logically, you think they would have come with, uh, they would end up with what we look like today? Of course not. Because if logic can go in different directions, ultimately you start with a fact. Here is the fact. Now let's explain the fact. And the same thing is when it comes to mitzvahs. We start with the fact. The fact is that this is Hashem's Ratzon. Certain mitzvahs then entered Chachma also, and they became logical. Certain mitzvahs never entered Chachma. And even as they come all the way down here into this world, they remain pristine, like pure. The, like the Lucas. They remain right. pure, exactly, Ratz and Hashem. And that's why they're called Choik, Chukim. Why? Because a Choik is Chakika. Not that you have two things. Every, a mitzvah which is rational, you have Hashem's Ratzan. And that combines with the logic, with the seichel. So that's like writing uh, ink on parchment. And then you have mitzvahs, which are the level of chukim. And those mitzvahs are like chakika. There's only one thing. All you have over here is Hashem's ratzen. And then this week's parsha begins, in And as Rashi says, Shatiyu amelam batera. Shatiyu amelam batera. And that is that points to the to the to the, to the idea the way we're supposed to learn Torah. That when you learn Torah in a way of amelim, when you harvin Torah, the point is that you should become one thing with the Torah, and not even like parchment and paper, which become united. But when a yid learns Torah properly, in a way of bichukaisai, which is really the question is why would why would amelim but Torah be um, be alluded to in the word bichukaisai? L'chayda Torah is havana vasaga. Torah is understanding. And a choik is the opposite. Choik is something you don't understand. So why is Amelam Batayra referred to Bichukaisai? Because this is telling us when we're learning Torah, besides the fact that we have to learn Torah with Kabbalah Sail also, and do it because Hashem wants, because it's the Ratzin of Hashem, but the ultimate Lumadha Torah is in a way when the Torah becomes absolutely one with the person who's learning it, not two things. Many times, unfortunately, you have instances where you have a person who's learning Torah. And you have the person, and you have the Torah, and the Torah doesn't impact the person. There's a story about, about uh, a chassid who went into Yechidus to the Alter Rebbe. And uh, he told the Alter Rebbe, you know, he had learned a lot of Torah. He went to the Alter Rebbe, all the Masechlis he learned, and all the Pash, the, the Paskim, and the Yerushalmi, the Madrachim. And the Alter Rebbe listened, and when he finished his list, the Alter Rebbe said, this works in Yiddish, in English it doesn't work so well. He said, he said, no, you're telling me all about the, the Torah of Azduas Galant, Abizagmir. 
which means you tell me about the Torah that you learned, but what did Torah teach you? You learned a lot of Torah, but what did Torah teach you? In Yiddish, it works well with the words. And yeah, you can have a person who, uh, who learns a lot of Torah, but it doesn't, the Torah didn't become one with the person. There's me, and there's my perspective, and my way, and my Midas Royce, and, and the, the rewards that the Torah talks about over here in this week's parsha, which comes from Tiyamela Matayra, it has to, in order, you have to have the you have to be like the Luchas. Not even like two things that come together to become one, but the, the person Mamish becomes, becomes Ein Zach, comes one thing with the Torah. And then in this, and this also explains something which is interesting in this week's parsha. A big problem which many of the mafarshim, the Barbanel talks about it, and the Kliyakar talks about it. That this week's parsha talks all about the rewards that we receive for following the Torah. Okay. It also talks about the punishments that we receive for not following the Torah, but also in the beginning, that if we follow the, if we if for Amelam at Torah, and if we do what's right. Then we get all these physical rewards, and everything. And a lot of the Mepharshim wonder. It's a double wonder. First of all, why are physical? That's what we get. That's the reward for Teirah Mitzvahs, is, you know, all these physical um, rewards that we get. Isn't, doesn't the Rambam say that everything in this world is only... Uh, so that's Perkiyavis. The Rambam says that, that uh, you know that uh, the true reward is Neilam Haba. Any reward we get in this world is only that they, is only that to remove any impediments that we have from learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. But if you learn, if you learn this week's parsha, you read it very simply. It's saying if you do this, this will happen. So number one, why in terms of reward, why is the reward that the Torah promises physical? L'chayra, what's physical reward? The spiritual reward is so much greater. Yeah. And at a deeper level, you can ask, why is the Torah even promising us reward in the first place? We had in Pirkei Yavis, but rather we should serve the Eber Why is the Torah over here promising us all this reward? When Bechlal, that seems to be a distraction from what Emesa and what the truest Avedas Hashem is supposed to be. So what are you going to say? You're going to taina. Okay, but not everyone's on that level. And you know, the Gemara says that right? So maybe the Torah is talking to people who, uh, you know, they're they're on a low level in the beginning of the Veda, and therefore they need to be uh, promised reward. And that's why the reward has to be physical reward, because if you're going to tell a person you're going to get reward in El Maba, maybe someone who's on a very lowly spiritual level is going to say, you know, I'm not interested in that. So the Torah is addressing the lowest common denominator and saying, I'm going to give you a physical reward. That is somewhat of an answer, but, but, it's, but it's difficult, because at the end of the day, the Torah is not addressed only to people on a low spiritual level. The Parsha B'chukaysay is talking to everyone, including people on a high spiritual level. And how, what are they supposed to make of the fact that the Torah is offering physical reward for mitzvahs? Why is the Torah offering reward? And if you have reward, physical reward, we're going to get rain. We're going to have eight asada, yit and piriya. Like, what's uh, that? That's what. But the whole point of me learning Torah and doing mitzvahs is that I should get some money. <laughs> that's what it's all about. You can make money differently. From a Baal Madrig, I laugh at that, right? People, uh, the Rambam says, when he talks about the uh, Elam Haba and Mashiach, he says, Mashiach, that the Chacham and Nevi'im, they didn't want Mashiach because they're going to be rich or because of it. They want the Pasha to be able to sit and learn Torah and to connect to Hashem and to absorb divine wisdom. And here the Torah is promising us all these physical things. And the same thing, by the way, is when it comes to Mashiach. There are Chazal that are filled, that are filled with different prophecies when Mashiach comes and how amazing it will be. The trees will grow fruit every single day and there will be, you'll be able to... Uh, to pick uh, even Ilan Israq will have the fruit but more than that there will be gluskois, there will be cookies and cake growing on trees that's what it says and really is that what Mashiach is all about is that really what and we, <laughs> you know candy is growing on the trees it's just a CU that you don't have to do it I understand. So one way you're looking at it, okay, so it's going to take away from us all, all our distractions. But if you look at these Mamari Chazal, it doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem that it's like saying, okay, all these things are going to make life easier. It sounds very much like in this week's Parsha, we're talking about a reward. 
And the question is, number one, why do we even need the reward? Why, why does Chazal tell us about all this reward? And number two, if you have reward, why don't you talk about the spiritual rewards? Isn't that what we're talking about? The Rebbe explains that the fact that spiritual service, that Torah mitzvahs, that for that we get spiritual reward is not a chiddush. The Torah doesn't even have to tell us that. That's obvious. When you serve Hashem, and that's an avodah ruchni, it's a spiritual service, of course you're going to get a spiritual reward. In other words, the fact that after 120, a person who learns Torah and does mitzvahs goes to Ganeidin and gets to enjoy the spiritual, that's, uh, that's the obvious. But we say about Torah, ki, ki heim chayenu yameinu. That means that everything comes from Torah, including Olam Hazahagashmi. So Torah has to reflect itself in every single area, including the physical. If a person learns Torah and he only benefits from it spiritually, but not physically, that means that there is a disconnect, there's a gap, there's a distance between Torah. And the physical tater remains in the realm of the spiritual and it doesn't impact the physical. And what does Bihukaisai mean? Going back to what we're talking about. Bihukaisai means that when a person becomes one with Taira, because the person is Shatiwa Melamba Taira, when a person taka becomes one with Taira, then the entirety of the person becomes one with Taira. And then the benefits of Torah are not only spiritual, but physical also. Why? Just like when a person is happy. Happy is a spiritual emotion. But what happens? You dance. You don't just dance spiritually, you dance physically. Why? Because that permeates your entire being. The same thing is, if you become when a person learns Torah to the point that they become one with Torah, then there is no part of you that isn't impacted by Torah. So when the Torah is telling you about the physical reward, it's not about an incentive. The Torah is telling you the result of you learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, the automatic, natural result is going to be that physically will be good for you. Why? Because Torah is the mucker of all the brachas in this world, and therefore that's not limited to the spiritual. It also impacts the physical also. And the same thing is what Mashiach will come when the whole world will be permeated by Torah. And then once again we'll have the luchas, then also the physical in the world will also be the way it's supposed to be, like it was before the Chet Yitzhadas, before the world got messed up. Why? Because the Torah is the marker of all the brachas in the world, of brachas everywhere, and there isn't that disconnect between the Abish there and the world, the spiritual and the physical. Our When we learn Torah and become one with the Torah, we bring about the unity of Hashem, the Torah, and the world, and therefore the impact is felt everywhere. So that is the idea of, of Hakika, the Luchis, as we're talking about in this Pedic, how it impacts not only the way it was in the Luchis Nabesa Mikdash, but it impacts our Avodah. Well, you have to realize that when we do mitzvahs in a way of Chukim, and when we learn Torah in a way of Hakika, of becoming one with us, we impact the whole world. And we make the whole world to become Hakika, one with the Torah, one with the Ebishter, and that automatically brings about brachas in Ruchnius and also Begashmis. Good job, everyone.